everybody. Welcome to another episode of All the WrestleManias. I'm your co-host, Tim Hackman. And I'm your co-host, Rich Sigwald. Thanks for joining us again. We're uh, super excited to be with you as always. We're going to talk about the Royal Rumble from 1992 today. It's a fantastic show. We're going to have a great time talking about it. Uh, This is my first time recording from my new studio, my new home down in Norfolk, Virginia. We picked up and moved from Maryland, and so that's why we've been on the every other week uh, schedule for the time being. So hopefully that hasn't put too much of a cramp in your uh, listening and you've been able to go back and check out some of our older episodes. WrestleMania 1 episode came out just a couple of weeks ago, so we hope you had a chance to take a listen to that one and go all the way back to 1985 to the origins of the greatest event in sports entertainment the world round, maybe in the history of the universe. We're not entirely sure what kind of sports entertainment they have on uh, you know, the other galaxies, but uh, I'm, we're waiting for some more pictures from the, the telescope might tell us, you know? Yeah. I mean, at, at least WWE took like almost 40 years before they started calling their title, the universal title. So <laughs> maybe they know something, maybe they maybe. already like Vince has enough money to have like insiders at NASA and the European space agency to tell them. No, there's no one else out there. It would explain that giant WWE logo on the side of the uh, telescope, right? So anyway, we've got, uh, as I mentioned, Royal Rumble 1992. This is a listener-requested episode. This is Nick's favorite pay-per-view of uh, of 1992, and it's a really good one. It's from January 19th of that year from the Knickerbocker Arena in Albany, New York. Attendance is right around 17,000. The tagline is a little sexist, every man for himself. Although I guess it's technically correct because there's zero women on this card. There are zero women. (laughs) So every man for himself. All right, we'll let it stand. And the runtime on this bad boy is two hours and 39 minutes. So it's a relatively short one as these things go. And the undercard, I guess we'll call it, is, um, you know, a bit of a, it's not totally an afterthought. There's some good stuff here. But, of course, the main event is the 30-man Royal Rumble, which we'll have quite a bit to say about it. Uh, so, Rich, is there anything in particular about the Royal Rumble 92 you wanted to share with the folks before we get into it? Sure. Uh, so this is the first Royal Rumble match uh, that ever actually determined the champion. And it that didn't happen again until the 2016 Royal Rumble. Uh, wow. So that already makes this Royal Rumble very special. Uh, it's after this Royal Rumble that the winner starts getting the WrestleMania main event, the challenge for the title. So the previous Royal Rumbles had all been won by Hulk Hogan, uh, except for (laughs) Big John Studd had won the very first one. Hacksaw Jim Duggan won the first Royal Rumble in 1988 when it was a televised special on the USA Network. The following Royal Rumbles starting in 1989 were all pay-per-views, and that 1989 Royal Rumble was won by Big John Studd. So big shocker there. And so this Royal Rumble match, though, because of those stakes, I think is the best Royal Rumble match in WWE slash WWF history. The caliber of talent that's in this match, the action that's in this match is very interesting. The undercard into this show, while there's some good wrestling, pretty much doesn't matter whatsoever. There's just so much focus on the Royal Rumble match itself that it's going to be, it's, it's spectacular. And 
you're going to notice that we'll probably get to it pretty quickly. Um, so this Royal Rumble gets set up, the story behind it, and the reason why it's for the title. So since The Undertaker's debut, he had not been pinned on television. So to the standard audience, The Undertaker is undefeated, and that makes him top contender to go against brother Hulk Hogan uh, for the world championship. And so that match is set up for the Survivor Series in 1991. And the match is going along. On Hogan's having a real tough time getting through The Undertaker's inability to sell to people. Uh, so uh, The Undertaker actually finally gets knocked down. And Hogan immediately is setting him up for the big leg drop. And as Undertaker goes for the big leg drop, Paul Bearer grabs Hogan's leg. And uh, Hogan gets angry. And the uh, ref starts bickering with Paul Bearer. And during that time, The Undertaker gets up, kicks Hogan in the tummy, and <laughs> spins him around for the tombstone. And right before he could deliver the tombstone, Ric Flair, recent arrival to the WWF, slides a steel chair right in the path of the tombstone. And uh, Hogan's head bounces right off of that chair, and Undertaker gets the three count for the win. And surprisingly, the crowd is kind of split because The Undertaker's gimmick is making him over, even though he's number one heel. So the crowd isn't necessarily terribly upset at this, which is kind of a surprising sound, but we're getting, we're pushing Hogan's era here. Uh, so uh, we have everything. Everybody is like, oh, this cannot stand. This is horrible. This is cheap win for The Undertaker. The Undertaker is an illegitimate champion. And so there just happens to be this special pay-per-view coming up in December called This Tuesday in Texas, conveniently planned. Very convenient. And so there's going to be a rematch between Hogan and The Undertaker. And Jack Tunney is going to be ringside to watch this match very carefully, make sure everything goes fine. He's a stickler. He's, He's a, stickler, a stickler, that Mr. Tunney, yeah. He's got to make sure all the rules are followed, all the I's are dots, and all the T's are crossed. He's he's in there. He's got his, He's got to be involved. And so they're having their match again. Everything's going pretty normal. Ric Flair shows up ringside again. Uh, at some point, uh, Jack Tunney gets knocked unconscious during the match, as one would expect. Um, and Flair jumps up onto the ring apron with a chair and holds it, but Hogan sends The Undertaker into the chair instead of Hogan getting hit by the chair. Uh, and then as Hogan is about to try and go for the win, Paul Bearer jumps up on that apron and runs the fastest I've ever seen him run in my life <laughs> and like starts yelling at the, at the ref. And then, but somehow Undertaker gets back up after eating that steel chair because he's undead and grabs Hogan and tries to walk him over to the ropes where Paul Bearer is to get smashed by the urn. But, uh, Paul Bearer misses with the urn, clocks the Undertaker. Undertaker goes down and then and like stumbles back and stuff. And the urn falls down. And Hogan then cracks open the urn, pours out the ashes from it, and throws the ashes into Undertaker's face and rolls him up in the ugliest small package that you've ever seen and gets the, gets the win. That's not Hogan's uh, forte. It's no, it's he's, not. He's no Rick Steamboat. And we got everybody cheering and happy, but 
the camera turns, and there is Ric Flair holding up a limp-bodied Jack Tunney so he could watch the finish of the match on the outside of the ring. Oh, just like Weekend at Bernie's. All Jack Tunney saw was Hogan throwing ashes in the Undertaker's eyes and getting the win. So we're we're reeling back here to actually that blog entry that we did where Hulk Hogan's actually been the heel the whole time. He can't win straight. No, he's an a-hole. Why did it take so long for people to realize it? I don't, I know. don't know. It was I right there know. staring us in the face. So what ends up happening is Tunney's like, that's enough of y'all's bullshit. The title's vacant. And we're coming to the Royal Rumble. And the winner of the Royal Rumble match this year is going to be the WWF heavyweight champion. Hot damn. That's a hell of a setup. And that's some uh, that's some crazy writing, I got to say. That's a lot, of, a lot of ins and outs. It's pretty exciting. Yeah, it's it's incredible stuff to watch, and it's it's all out there. I would take, I would strongly recommend uh, just watching the the two Hulk Hogan matches, and then coming into this pay per view. The Tuesday in Texas pay per view is kind of crappy, except for that like shenanigans at the end, and kind of the same with that Survivor Series. But you just watch those two Hogan Undertaker matches, and then this Royal Rumble. And you've got one of the best storylines that the WWF has ever done. Yeah, that sounds that sounds like a lot of fun, actually. And it does uh, do a really good job of setting us up for this particular Royal Rumble and sets up uh, the some of the action, you know, especially Flair and Hogan in that match. I don't want to jump ahead of myself here. Okay, cool. So thanks for thanks for taking a look at that for us and kind of giving us the the backstory. Let's see. We've got Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Heenan on the mic for this one. Heenan tells us right at the, the top that he's banking everything on Ric Flair in that Royal Rumble match. So we know where Heenan's uh, loyalties are here. Heenan's narrative through this whole pay-per-view is a work of genius. There's, there's, he's just, he's, nervous he's worried for rick flair he's trying to find out what number rick flair drew for the royal rumble what when is he going to come in that's all he cares about through this whole thing and it's it's spectacular how he turns everything no matter what is happening in the ring it always gets turned back around to well where's rick flair going to be in the royal rumble like somehow every conversation turns back to that and it's great maybe he really did bank everything Maybe he like bet his whole mortgage or something. That's why he's uh, that's why he's so concerned. Yeah, we love that guy. He's a a true true artist. Um, so all right, let's uh, let's get to the the card, such as it is. Um, there's a lot of tag team stuff here in this special, and we've got some overblown intros from Vince, of course. Um, this being the '90s and all. Uh, and our first match is the New Foundation, which is Jim Neidhart and Owen Hart course brett had kind of split off to go solo as intercontinental champ around this time so his spot in the heart foundation was taken up by his younger brother owen versus the orient express which is kato and pat tanaka who are managed by mr fuji so so the first thing i mentioned is that neidhart and owen are wearing some really unfortunate 90s gear like they just dropped in from an mc hammer video um it's uh we saw we saw owen hart in one of the wrestlemanias uh he's got one of those I think it's the one against Skinner. It's like right before the main event um, at a uh, at a WrestleMania right around this time. And like without Neidhart, there, there's like no context to his clothes. And I just kind of thought he looked like a rodeo clown. But anyway, um, I'd say Owen is at like peak Owen-ness here. Like he says he's so he's so good. 
Like he's he is incredible, and it's and it's great with how different of a wrestler he is from his brother. But you can tell they had the same training. Yeah, he takes the turnbuckles full in a chest like Brett does, and then just drops over backwards like a big tree. He sells really well. He's, he's super fast, super strong. Very everything's so clean. Uh, he really was uh, was phenomenal. Yeah, and just like how we talked about in the uh, King of the Ring special about how Brett worked to the cameras. Uh, Owen also worked very well to the hard cam, especially he knew, he knew where he was being shot from at all times. And it's like, he went to the right corners to do the more, uh, impressive moves and stuff like that. Uh, it's really, uh, a spectacular, uh, example of early Owen work here. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, and he teams really well with Neidhart too. Um, it's a different team up than uh you know than when it yeah. was brett and nightheart obviously but um Owen's but he's a bit more brutish than yeah and brett and so they're a bit more of a strong team as opposed to a finesse being balanced with strong I, they would i would almost compare them to a more technical version of the road warriors hmm interesting yeah well, and Jim Neidhart for sure could hang with either of the Road Warriors in terms of uh, strength. <laughs> he gets, strength and meanness. Yeah. Oh, and he just he looks like a maniac with that pointy beard. I love that guy. Um, there's a huge pop. He gets a, a hot tag. Uh, he gets like slingshotted over the ropes into the ring, and he takes out both of the Orient Express. He yeah. just hands out body slams like uh, lollipops at the Halloween parade. Just like body slam for you, body slam for you. What's there anything else on the on the action on this one that? You, that caught your eye at some point mr fuji shoves his cane and like holds his cane into the corner and owen gets sent into it and that cane snaps and it sounds like a gunshot through the freaking arena like maybe the cane wasn't gimmicked and i think that that was like a real hit like it was it sounded quite violent and it looked really painful because it like splintered went everywhere and stuff i thought this match went a little long for my tasting though the Orient Express name bothers me for this tag team. <laughs> yeah. I understand where they're trying to go with it. It's another one of those express names. But the Orient Express is a, was a train that ran from Istanbul to London. It didn't quite meet, get to where I think what they're trying to insinuate about where the two uh, combatants of the Orient Express are actually from. <laughs> It didn't, it didn't, there wasn't a side spur to Japan. Like, no, no. Not over, over the water. No. Mm. Um, so That's disappointing. It's, yeah. I mean, did they not watch like uh, from Russia with love or murder on the Orient Express to actually <laughs> see where the train is, goes? Um, so it's, it's in a book. There's a book. Yeah. There's a book. There's 15 movies. There's yeah. <laughs> like, oh, well. Um, yeah, uh, Gorilla Monsoon at one point refers to one of the Orient Express's moves as a bonsai move. Hmm. Um, and Gorilla Monsoon actually referenced the Midnight Express in this match, which I thought was really an interesting call for them to do. Um, because Midnight Express yeah. definitely was not associated with the WWF whatsoever. Uh, so it's interesting that like Gorilla is pointing out like things from the uh nwa and yeah yeah although it would have been hard to ignore you know a team of that 
of that caliber, right? Like you would have right. at least um, been aware of the major talents. Uh, so, yeah, the finisher is the rocket launcher where Neidhart kind of quote unquote throws Owen off of the top turnbuckle onto a splash, um, which I'm not entirely sure how that is any more helpful than just having him jump off on a splash. But hey, whatever works for you. Um, so, I mean, decent match overall. New Foundation gets the win. Good to see Owen here. Good to see the Anvil. Yeah, good good start to the show. For sure. Now, let's see. There's a recap of the Brett versus uh, the Mountie feud up next, and uh, including some interference by Piper, who's um, coming after the Intercontinental belt. So he's getting his face in, uh, involved in the Brett and the Mounties business. Um, there's a They make a big point here because they show the Mountie winning the IC belt from Brett at a house show. And they keep hammering away that Brett during that match had a 104 fever. He's very sick with that. Uh, like 104 fever can cause brain damage. Yeah. <laughs> it can, you can, he, Brett is possibly having seizures. Like I understand where you, you like, he might've been sick. He might not have been sick. It could have been work. And most likely is a work. If they're going to say that he had 104 fever, someone with 104 fever, most likely can't give consent to participating in a wrestling <laughs> match. Yeah. Uh, we, so we know they're exaggerating, but maybe tone it down a little bit, guys. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe 102. Like, yeah. 101, 102 one and a half. You know, yeah. Something just like, you know, something that like a doctor, the doctor on the staff might be like, Brett, I don't think you should, but I'm not going to stop you kind of thing. Not a, a fever that's so high that you would be hospitalized and <laughs> like, and being given ice baths to keep your brain from hemorrhaging. Like that was an amazing match. Brett actually wrestled it after being decapitated. Right. <laughs> Just wrestling. No head. It was amazing. It was incredible. His head's Best fine. Best match now. I ever saw in my life. It's- his head's fine now, by the way. Yeah, uh, there, yeah, that's a little that's a little much. But there's a, a promo from the Mountie, and then there's a absolutely insane promo from Piper, which uh, you know, we, which we always appreciate. He calls the Mountie one of the original village people. Yes, <laughs> he says, "I come here to fight. I don't know what you come here to do." Um, I guess I insinuating he's just going to ride a horse. I don't, I don't know what he's actually insinuating yeah. about the Mountie there. And then he says, "Jimmy Hart is leaving lipstick all over the belt." Um, which I mean, it makes sense. We've seen, uh, uh, heart kiss belts by his, uh, mentees wins. So it's okay, but that's kind of weird. And then he also <laughs> said something about like, like Jacques Cousteau looking for a dry spot in the ocean. Uh, yeah. Piper's yeah. a, Piper's a nutcase and I love everything about it. Yeah. And the fake locker room set. <laughs> Oh, the fake cinder block. You can see like the camera actually screws up and you can see that it's a set. You can see like black over top of it. Like, and like those lockers look like middle school hallway lockers. Like the Mountie had to stop by to pick up his math textbook before third period, like lockers. They don't. And there's like a pay phone. It doesn't look, it doesn't look real. Like I know they had them in several colors because I've seen them in like blue and in yellow, and now in orange in this one. So, I think it's uh, I think it's just really inspiring that the Mountie's trying to complete his education, you know, while <laughs> while also protecting Canada, um, you know, on his horse you could and be wrestling these at a local school. <laughs> yeah, 
it's just really inspiring. I really, you, it's, you really, you love to see it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so we get uh, Roddy Piper versus the Mountie. Uh, the Mountie's managed by Jimmy Hart, of course, who may or may not be wearing lipstick. Um, if Roddy Piper is to be believed, um, the Mountie's got his uh, cattle prod, of course, which is still a dumb gimmick, in our opinion. Um, Makes he starts, no sense. Makes no, no sense. Not at all. He starts by menacing Piper with it, um, and uh, I kind of, I kind of like the the start here, where the Mountie sort of gets distracted, and Piper like runs across the ring with the kilt and like throws it over his head to just kind of distract him. Um, that's pretty cool. They telegraphed the finish of this match as in true WWE slash WWF fashion to where the champion, the Mountie gets introduced first. And then they have the full regalia for Piper coming out. Like, okay, I wonder who's going to win this match. There's not much to this match. And I have not yet, we have not yet watched something that makes me impressed by the Mountie ever. We haven't, we haven't seen a damn thing from him yet. Like there's some decent strikes in his matches, but most of the time they're all this shenanigans and cheating and they're over in five minutes or less. Like we never actually really see him work. Yeah. Maybe we need to go back and watch some stuff with his brother, you know, the Rougeau's and uh, maybe, maybe there's some more stuff there. I, I know that they are definitely in some earlier WrestleManias uh, as, as the Rougeau's right. Um, so maybe, maybe there's something else there. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he's a, he's a you know, he's a, uh, in terms of the business, he was, you know, all over the place. Right. And I guess his, yeah. the whole, the whole family was involved. I think their father wrestled too. Um, yeah, um, Jimmy Hart is all over this match, like, uh, start to finish, basically. The Mountie hides behind him on the outside of the ring at one point at the at the beginning. And then, of course, uh, the finish when, um, well, getting close to the finish when uh, Roddy moves out of the way and uh, the Mountie uh, brains Jimmy, leading Roddy to be able to slap on the sleeper hold and choke out the, the Mountie to get the win and the belt. And that was the fastest sleeper hold arm check ever. <laughs> it was just like he picked up the arm one, two, three. That's it. That's the end of the match. Like we got shit to do, people. Super quick, super quick. And it's Piper's first WWF title win. Oh wow! I didn't realize so, that. Yeah. He gets a huge pop from the crowd for pretty huge. much every offensive move that he makes. Like huge, yeah. There's just like a right hand, and the crowd goes nuts. And he does a bulldog, and the crowd goes nuts. The crowd um, loves him. They're, yeah. they're just eating him up, and. This is a great setup for Brett versus Piper at the at the next WrestleMania. So, yeah, there's some shenanigans after the uh, the win. He takes the cattle prod to the Mountie, and there's a really loud fake shock sound on the PA, uh, yeah. which WWE is still doing. Uh, they did it. Um, let's see with the with the jackass guy, right? With Johnny Knoxville, wasn't there a he was yes. shocking, quote unquote, shocking uh, Sami Zayn? I think on very loud buzz happened. Yeah, so stupid. So anyway, there's a uh, Hogan promo backstage with Lord Alfred Hayes. Uh, Hogan says that his friends won't be his friends anymore if they get in the ring with him. I don't know if that's permanently or just for the duration of the match. I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, so I think this is one of those special Coliseum home video only uh, promos that get edited in if you bought the home video version of this Royal Rumble. And it is literally the tamest Hulk Hogan you'll ever see. It's like like he's channeling Ricky Steamboat for this for this promo. <laughs> like he forgot to be in character for it or something. He was just like, yeah, fine. Well, they're not my friends when we're in the Royal Rumble because no one's friends. 
Thanks yeah. for talking to me, Lord Alfred Hayes. <laughs> I hope you have a really good day. Like he suddenly became uh, Terry Balea. Uh, you know, he stopped yeah. being Hulk Hogan. He went back to being Terry and, uh, you know, just talked to the British guy that came in and asked him what was going on. See here, I've got this chubby baby. Yeah. He inspires me to do my best in the ring for I'm the fans. In, I'm going to get in the ring and I'm going to do my best. And, and my chubby uh, baby. You know, if, if Ric Flair gets the best of me, then he's the better man this day. But I'm going to say that he's not the best man ever. Um, Happy birthday uh, to uh, Ricky Steamboat's formerly chubby baby, uh, by the way. Just just went by not too long ago. Yeah, it turns out him and I have the same birthday, it seems, yeah. from what I can tell. So You guys should hang out. We should. We should be best friends. You could get invited to his birthday party, and maybe his dad will be there. And then he can like hit you with a arm drag takedown or something. And then I might finally be cool. Yeah. Probably Finally. not, though. No, it's not going to happen. Speaking of not cool, there's a promo from the Bushwhackers next, and like I know, I don't know if I ever noticed before. Like their foreheads are a nightmare of blading scars. Like they look like something out of a, a plastic surgeon's worst fever dreams. Like they are. I knew that um, when they were the what were they the sheep herders or sheep something her- like that. Yeah, that they had a sort of reputation as kind of like blood and guts guys, right? Um, but God damn! Like it's it's bad. Yeah, they're up there it's, with Dusty. Like, yeah, I was gonna say it's it's a retired Dusty. Dusty's forehead. Like is Dusty esque. Uh, yeah, the only really notable thing that I pulled out of uh, this promo was that the Bushwhackers kept calling them the Beverly Sisters. <laughs> hmm. So clever. Yeah. Um. Yeah. This is the Beverly brothers or sisters, Bo and Blake. With the genius uh, as their uh, manager versus the Bushwhackers, Butch and Luke, with Jameson, who I had to look up. His real name is John DiGiacomo. He's actually still still kicking around. He was a um, comedian and, and such. Yeah. There's a uh, sign alert before this one gets started. It says, on the eighth day, God created oh. Gorilla Monsoon. <laughs> I noted that sign, too, and that was uh. that was that was great. Don't they even yeah. talk about it? Like they isn't there like some sort of comment? They're like, I don't know what yeah. that means, but all right. <laughs> like I think I, I think that means they really like you, Gorilla Monsoon. Yeah, I think so too. And they also think you're really old that on day eight <laughs> you began existing. Yeah. It's like him and, and Moses. They're the, they were uh, contemporaries. Yeah, I mean Gorilla Monsoon called the tag team division on the arc, you know. Hey. So, hey. <laughs> Where's my uh, where's my symbol crash uh, sound effect? I don't have one. All the animals two by two. Mm-hmm. So the genius uh, we have to su- suffer through the genius reading a poem. Uh, man, the the bushwhackers are so over. The kids love doing the arm thing. Oh yeah, uh, and a little kid gets licked. Uh, just Look, like there's. Which... Yeah, yeah, I, the lick. Oh god, <laughs> my face still itches there. I think. Yeah. Um. Never forget. No, never never forget. forget. One thing I've learned is that any kind of activity that involves a repetitive arm motion with a child, you're dead set. Like, (laughs) my kid is 21 months, and the daycare introduced him to Baby Shark. And I I could fucking murder them for that. Um But it's fun to see him happy, but at the same time, it's like, God, I don't want to listen to the song. Um, it's like weird. It's like it 
it's a weird animation and like weird song. And I'm pretty sure that it's somehow harvesting Bitcoin for North Korea and that there's something built into the animation that is just a pure dopamine shot into my child's brain. It's like kid heroin. I don't know what it is, but, and now he's not even two and he knows all the arm motions this morning. He insisted on watching baby shark before going to daycare. So I was like, fine, we'll put it on. And he's sitting there doing the, the baby shark pinching and then the mama shark clapping and then the daddy shark, big arm clapping. And then the, the granny shark with the, with the knuckle clapping, uh, it brainwashed him. He's gone. I feel like I feel like the daycare should have um, like signed a. Uh, I should a, have had to I, sign a release. Yeah, yeah, I signed a release before you just throw that on somebody's kid. I so I had heard of. We're kind of off on the. I had heard of the baby shark thing, and like parents on my you know Facebook feed were were bitching about it for like you know a long time after it came out. But I I literally never heard it until I went to a Nationals game like probably at least a year after it had been out. I had managed to avoid it that entire time, and I finally heard it at a Nationals game. They played it on the PA, which, again, nobody asked my permission to do. Um, So fuck those guys. Anyway, but yeah, it's really smart on the Bushwhackers' part to introduce that arm. Yeah, it it gets Um, them set up going, and it gets them over somehow. I'm like baby shark right now is just short of 11 billion views on sweet Jesus on YouTube. It came out on June 17th, 2006, 16, sorry, 2016. Okay. Um, So in six years, it's got almost 11 billion, billion clicks. (laughs) All from poor bastards like you. We're like, ah, oh, yes, we can I guarantee it's again. never watched just once. It's yeah. So they have other video edits on YouTube that is just the song on loop for an hour, for two hours. And then there's theme and variations of it that go on for like two to three hour long, just so that like you can numb your baby's brain and you can get some shit done. Um, <laughs> I don't do that. I just. Like the only time we ever did that was when he was super sick at his grandmother's house and he would not calm down out of tantrum. We're just like, give him the heroin. And we turned on baby shark and that got him to calm down. So well, that's well, good to know Par- pro parenting tip from your, from your co-host rich today. Um, I will say one more thing that it was kind of embarrassing. We did not know that he had seen baby shark and he had just come home going shark shark. And so we're like, okay. And like we had seen pictures of him playing with like toy fish and stuff like that at daycare. So we put on a live stream of the Monterey Bay Aquarium and he liked it. He would sit there and watch it. And every time a shark would swim through the camera, shark, shark. (laughs) And then one day he went big shark, doot, 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 big shark, doot, 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 doot. Like, oh, he's been wanting us to show him baby shark. <laughs> Shit! <laughs> I, think, I think the aquarium is better, honestly. It's it, it's very relaxing because they play like Enya music and stuff like that in the background. But, anyways, the Beverly Brothers versus the Bushwhackers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to, I if you put that stream on for me, I would I would do the same thing. I would just sit there and watch it, and I'd, I occasionally I'd go shark, 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 shark. shark. Anyway, 
Yeah, the, I don't, this match lasts forever. It's mostly boring. The Bushwhackers beat up on the genius after the bell, and they let Jameson get a lick in. Uh, I, I actually wrote, is Jameson supposed to be Eugene before Eugene was a thing? Um, but I don't know the answer to that. I'm not exactly sure what they're trying to portray with him. It doesn't work. Um, nope. It's, I mean, I guess they're trying to, he's trying to be like their American sloppy cousin, but he just kind of looks like uh, a disgraced scientist going through a divorce and living on the streets now. (laughs) He's got like a sock coming out of his like jacket pocket and like his glasses are taped together and he does this weird talking kind of thing. And it's just, uh, he, uh, like he, he brought the hard drive. Uh, with all the the most important results on it, uh, out of the office and like left it on the bus or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And now he, now we we're stuck with like reptile from Spider Man. <laughs> um, anyway, that match yeah. is over. Thank God. Yeah, that match reminded me very much of a little person match, mm. of like the stupid little stunts they're doing and stuff like that. And then it's not even like shown to us very well we missed the big hot tag between luke and butch because the camera wanted to show the genius standing ringside doing nothing and during that we got the hot tag and then the match ends with just like a double axe handle from the top rope for a win for the pin like wow okay yeah yeah it's so bizarre to me that those guys were like you know they they weren't like terry funk but you know what i mean but like kind of hardcore like um, and then they just came and were just like cartoon characters for the kids, you know? Yeah. <laughs> It'd be like doing the, that with like Terry Funk, for example, like, just like, Oh, look at this goofy guy. Uh, yeah. You know. I mean, the, and the genius himself was actually a decent wrestler. That's Macho Man's brother. Yeah. So, I mean, Lanny. Yeah. Why don't we let Lanny fight anymore? I don't uh, Anyways. My mom used to really dig Leaping Lanny Poffo when uh, we would watch. Anyway, so there's a promo with uh, Legion of Doom with Mean Gene. (laughs) Hawk says, you know what makes us sick besides everything? (laughs) (laughs) They just really don't like stuff, basically. Or they got really sensitive GI systems. I'm not sure, actually. Yeah. (laughs) And they'll never be closet champions. They, They also spit that out, and they say... I love this line. You want to throw your weight around? Well, we want to throw it around too. <laughs> I like that one. Nice. So they yeah. are up against the natural disasters, which of course is earthquake and typhoon who are managed by Jimmy Hart. So they are heels at the moment. Um, and uh, versus of course, Hawk and animal. I'm excited for this one actually. Cause there's yeah. a couple of man mountains versus a couple of like just slabs of of muscle um, gorilla says the time for talking is over, which is a, a classic gorilla line. Yeah. Um, uh, this is actually, I like this match. I had a, I had a good time watching this one. Yeah. Um, I suspected that we wouldn't see a doomsday device in this match. And uh, <laughs> we were, I was correct. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine why a Hawk looks, I mean, so both the Legion doom guys are huge, right? But Hawk yeah. looks small compared to earthquake. It's like, scary. Yeah. It's, uh, Tenta is such a, was such a big man. Yeah. Good God. He does a drop kick. Uh, he yeah. he, he no sells one and then he comes back with one of his own, but misses. Um, and I, I, I was, I was in shock. Like I had to like stop and take a shot of, uh, of bourbon or something. Cause I was just like, what, what did yeah. I just see? 
Yeah. Um, and Gorilla says, we're not going to see too many flying head scissors in this one. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> Animal at one point picks up Earthquake and like, but then couldn't keep him up and like Earthquake falls on top of him. Like, oh God, like, ooh, I don't know how you take that and not just die. And then Earthquake stood on Hawk's chest at one point as well. Yeah. Um, the only my only criticism of this match is that, and it's what you would expect out of it. There's a lot of bear hugs. Yeah, there's a lot of hugging going around. There's a lot of love <laughs> in this match. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad. I'm glad that they're uh, you know supportive of each other like that. I think that's. I think that's nice. But yeah, it does. It gets a little. Um, gets a little old. Um, there's uh, there's yeah, there's a lot of the usual moves. Big corner splash. Guys running into boots, some tough clotheslines. Uh, there's a big elbow from Hawk off of the uh, top rope and um, on on top of Earthquake's head, and Earthquake just drops over like a big old tree. Uh, it's a fantastic bump. His um, slow fall bump like that. It's great. It's so good. Like you, you kind of see him suddenly just like dazed, and he rocks a little, and then somehow he makes it look like he's falling in slow motion. I don't know how he does it. Like yeah. he just stiffens up. And he just slowly drops. Like uh, it's it's so good. It makes the other guy that just took him down look so powerful. It's so great. Yeah, this one actually ends with a, a count out. I think Typhoon is in the ring, and uh, Legion of Doom is uh, is uh, as out outside working on Earthquake. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, Typhoon then, kind of rolls into the ring at like the last second to avoid losing by count out. Yeah, that was actually a kind of a smart. Smart finish there. Smart um, finish. Like, I don't know how. Like, both of these teams need to look unbeatable. So, what do you do? Right. You have them fight to a literal standstill and then just like a little bit of shenanigans right at the end so you can get the win. So, I mean, it's perfect. It's a perfect finish, right? They get to keep the, they get the win, but they keep the belts. Um, Legion of Doom takes some chairs to the natural disasters afterwards. Uh, people, people seem to dig that sort of thing. So, they yeah. lose again, but they get to hang on to the belts. Yeah, it's back in the day to where, like, they would announce that, like, the heel team won, but then they would also announce that the face kept the belt and the crowd would go crazy. But it's also those those times to where, like, the face could win by disqualification and the crowd would be happy and go crazy. Right. Um, it's kind of weird. It's a, it's a, it's an era that we're not used to anymore to where, like, people don't care exactly how the win happened just as long as the the good guy did win in some fashion yeah almost like the belts don't really matter <laughs> in, this, right. in this kind of circumstance right. yeah so back backstage jimmy hart and the disasters are incensed about not winning the belts like as if nobody had ever explained the rules to them like this is a fairly this is like one of the oldest rules in terms of uh title yeah. matches it's like yeah. they're just finding out about it now after the match what do you mean like <laughs> I don't, and so maybe he's just a really bad manager. Like it's uh, possible. I mean, yeah. it's definitely possible. I don't know. There's a uh, good promo with uh, Shawn Michaels and a video recap of him super kicking Marty <laughs> through the through the barbershop window. God damn! Uh, how many times I see that? It's it's still great. Yeah, uh, it's a it's one of those turning moments in WWF history. It's 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 one of those greatest segments ever. Yeah, and then we get just a just a succession of like rapid fire promos, flair, savage, Sid justice, repo man, Davy boy, Jake, the snake, flair, perfect, Paul bearer, undertaker, 
and Hogan, who starts his promo by looking directly sideways, like not even at the camera, which is really weird. But everybody is, uh, you know, convinced that they're going to win the the Royal Rumble. Obviously, the only thing that I two things that I really pulled out of there. Well, there was a couple, but more than two, maybe. Uh, there's something wrong with Ric Flair's teeth. I don't know what it is. His mouth looks janky. I don't. I don't understand <laughs> what's happening there. Like he doesn't know how to close his mouth. Maybe his bite is off from a recent filling or something. But there's something there's something that was making me uncomfortable about how he looked. The second is I really enjoyed that the British Bulldog mentioned winning the Royal Samovar Battle Royal. <laughs> uh, yeah. He won yeah. the Samovar Trophy. I, I was like, whoa, they acknowledged that in the Royal Rumble here. I was like kind of excited about that. Yeah, we um, just watched that. And then Jake the Snake probably has the best line, as one would expect, through all of these promos. And he just says, I would never disappoint myself, which is what a line. <laughs> just, uh, I, dis- and then, I disappoint myself all the time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of us do, but we're not Jake the Snake. Yeah, that's true. You know, very and true. And uh, Ric Flair delivers a great mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the greatest champion of them all? <laughs> it's, it's, he's, he's his normal, insane self. Is it Ric um, Flair? Is that the answer? Yeah, that was Ric Flair. Yeah, Ric uh, Flair is the greatest champion. Oh, uh, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure what the answer was going to be. Yeah, and, you know, Hulk Hogan still thinks he was screwed over by Tunney. And that is crap that he has to win this battle royal to try and get his championship back. I'm like, it's a very heelish promo that Hulk Hogan cuts here, which is uh, interesting. So. <laughs> Yeah, so Jack Tunney uh, introduces the event and that the winner will get the belt, uh, again, because of all the, the shenanigans that have led up to this uh, that Rich recapped for us. Uh, Bobby Heenan says he's the best president since Noriega. <laughs> <laughs> Timely. So just a reminder, the uh, the entrants, the contestants, the competitors, whatever you want to call them, in the Royal Rumble drew their number by uh, sort of random lots, right? And so... It is random, but Hulk Hogan and The Undertaker were given advantage uh, in their drawing to where um, they definitely were guaranteed to have a higher number uh, spot, but not necessarily number 30. Hmm. Interesting. So, of course, that sets up all of uh, Bobby Heenan's hand wringing about where Ric Flair will come out. Um and so I don't know how the I don't know what the best way to do this is. Um, we can just kind of go in order of entry, I guess, and uh, talk about anything that you want to talk about as we yeah. as we go through it. So British Bulldog is first, and, and uh, huge pop, huge, huge pop, probably because of the Royal Samovar. Uh, yeah, because a lot of people had seen that in 1992. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> huge. Um, and then Ted DiBiase, who's accompanied by a sensational Sherry, they're the first two in, um, and uh, Davey pretty quickly eliminates Ted. Uh, and next comes Ric Flair. So Heenan is damn apoplectic. it. <laughs> Heenan just screams, "Damn it!" He is it's so great. He is distraught. Uh, Gorilla hey. says, "Well, you can kiss him goodbye." <laughs> Gorilla is like is just like glorious in this moment. He's just loving it. It's so great. He's antagonizing Heenan so much for being just a straight play by play. He, he turns face on Heenan and just like, you can kiss it. Goodbye. Like, Oh, 
Yeah, he, so he goes on and on about how there's virtually no chance of lasting to the end if you come in at numbers one through five. Like, it's it's basically all over for Ric Flair, um, who's accompanied by Mr. Perfect, we should mention. Yeah, so I thought it was really interesting. Flair hasn't been in the company for that long, and they're in Albany, and when he comes out, you can hear the woos in the crowd. It's so great. It's really, I thought that was really interesting that, like, Flair has that natural national reach already, um, even though he's been pretty much contained to Mid Atlantic and and Georgia Championship. He's there, and uh, they love him, even though he's the bad guy. Yeah, Jerry Sags from the Nasty Boys comes in, and so they kind of get down to it with some big old chops and punches, and the crowd woos back at him uh when he when he woo, when he does his woo uh, but then yeah. they they boo him pretty seriously which is the right response because he's a big yeah. old heel right um more more huge pops for Davey um there's a nice double clothesline and and Sags gets drop kicked out uh Davey and Flair get to the corner and and uh get in some more chops and one of those big old power slams Jesus yeah the um there's this old lady kind of in the front row that is absolutely infatuated with Ric Flair. Like she, she was the only one in the front row that stood up when he came down and got so excited. And then you can see her leaning on the security rail, just staring at him. Like the Beatles just came out. Like she is locked in on him and just like puppy dog love eyes for Ric Flair. It's, it's, it's great. And um, yeah, this was like the first matchup that happens in this match that I thought was really interesting and that I would like like to see uh, and that's Ric Flair versus the British Bulldog. I would be all in on watching that match. Yeah, 100%. I, uh, may, I don't know, maybe it's out there somewhere. Um, if you guys uh, listening, if you know of a good a good one, let us know. Yeah, <laughs> she, yeah she did. She's looking at him like he's a, like a big old turkey leg or something. Like, yeah, and she hasn't eaten for two days, you know. <laughs> yeah. Haku comes out. There's some good action between the three of them until Davy Boy dumps uh, Haku out. Uh, my uh, my new studio setup here, I have my Haku uh, autograph right above my head, nice. which is a... Uh, King Haku. Prize possession. Yeah, King Haku. Uses yeah. There's, there's a great moment where, like, Haku and Flair look at each other to... Because, like, I mean... This is uh, early 90s, so all the bad guys and all the good guys, even though it's every man for themselves, the heel and faces partner up to face off against each other. And like Haku and Flair lock eyes and they they agree to go at the Bulldog together, but then they get Bulldog down and then Haku just turns on Flair immediately and like the crowd goes crazy. And it's like this, this lovely little moment of like, like, Haku does a face turn just for a moment in the Royal Rumble, and it's 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 one of those great little moments that keep popping up in this Royal Rumble match. Things like that that happen. Yeah, it was great, and we're relatively um, not not all that far into this match, and no. I just Flair is working his ass off this entire time. Like it's he's absolutely incredible throughout. Uh, he has so many great moments in this, and and I think as you mentioned at the top the talent in this thing is just is insane so um sean michaels comes out next number six he gets a lot of booze it's good fuck that guy um, 
And then, and then I'm just, I'm just run down some of the next, the next few, and we can talk a little bit because this is I, at some point I kind of looked up um, at this match, and I'm like, holy cow, look at all these people in the ring at the moment. Yeah. So Shawn Michaels, Flair, the Davy Boy, Tito Santana is in, um, the Barbarian, the Texas Tornado, the Repo Man, Greg, Greg the Hammer, uh, and a little farther down, Roddy Piper comes in, and so at one point, like all of these guys are in the ring. And it's just, it's nuts. So. Right. And one of the storylines that they're pushing through this whole pay-per-view is that Roddy Piper has a chance to be the first WWF wrestler to win two titles in one night. And uh, they're really pushing that to the point to where they start kind of, if you, if you don't know the result, you're, you're starting to get convinced that like this, that could be something that could happen because Piper comes in and he lasts a long time and you start like, you start believing that this is this is something that could happen, that Piper could win the Intercontinental belt, which he already did, and now he has a very serious shot at winning the WWF championship. Yeah, it's very it's very exciting actually. Um, yeah. a lot of times these Royal Rumble matches just there's just not because you're just sort of biding your time, right? Waiting for um the the last two or three. Uh whereas here there's all these different stories kind of intersecting in this one yeah match and so like, like you said every everybody's you know at least five maybe six of these people have like a legit chance right and like you know it's going to come down to one of them but you're not entirely sure who right so it just kind of it kind of really keeps you hooked so let's see Shawn michaels and davy go at it tito santana and his matador gimmick comes in uh, flair, flair eats like everybody's finisher at some point yeah. during this match too he takes yeah. the power slam. He takes the flying elbow from Tito. Uh, he takes a super kick from Shawn Michaels, which is still being called a reverse crescent kick by Gorilla Monsoon. And at this point, we before Tito comes in, we still haven't had more than three in the ring. And Bulldog had been the only face to come out into the into the Royal Rumble until Tito Santana comes out. And then after that, it, the the eliminations slow down so that the ring can get filled up and that like. You can just have some wrestlers biding time. And like you end up a lot of these battle Royals, especially in current times, you'll see where people will just kind of lay down or slide out of the ring to let two people have their moment in the spotlight in the center. And it starts getting kind of ridiculous. Um, but this match, you know, you see them working and this is still when like they would, you would, you would have these fake spots of like trying to eliminate someone in the corner. You can very much tell, like they could have just picked the person up and thrown them over, but instead they're doing some sort of weird, like trying to push them through the rope or over the rope or something weird like that. And like, there's some of them that look kind of ridiculous. Like, uh, like you're telling me that British bulldog couldn't pick up Ric Flair at any time he wanted, yeah. lift him over his head and throw him over the top rope to the floor. Like, come on. Uh, same yeah. with the barbarian or Haku even like all the, those three guys are super strong. They could have done it at any time, but I listed some of the fun matchups that I noticed in the Royal rumble that I would have loved to have seen just as, as singles matches. And it's the first one I already mentioned that's flair versus bulldog, but also we get flair versus Kerry Von Eric. At one point we get Shawn Michaels versus Kerry Von Eric. And then we get flair versus uh, uh, Greg Valentine. We get Big Boss Man versus the Barbarian. We get Jake the Snake versus Ric Flair. We get Ric Flair versus Mike Rotunda. We get Ric Flair versus Sergeant Slaughter. 
Like there's a lot of fun pairings that happen through this match. And these are just the ones that I had, had the fast enough wits to write down. Uh, there's, there's some, there's just some great pairings that end up happening in this match randomly. Yeah. That would have been almost dream matches. Yeah, for sure. There's a there's a good rhythm to this one too. So um, after Tito, the Barbarian comes in at number eight. Then Kerry Von Erich at number nine. By the time the Repo Man Barry Darso comes in at uh, number ten, uh, Davy is working on fifteen minutes in the ring, and uh, Flair is working on about ten minutes. Um, Greg Valentine comes running down after that. Gorilla makes a joke about him taking forty four minutes to get warmed up in the ring. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I always kind of joked that he was a slow starter. Um, and, uh, he, like he you said, he gets chops into flair immediately. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he gets a uh, figure four on flair, which was really cool. Like, yeah, that, that was a, that was a nice pairing. But on the other hand, what the hell are you going to do with a submission move in a battle Royal? Like that? <laughs> you, you can't win. Yeah. I mean the, the, it's, it's a double whammy with the figure four. Cause like then they got to sell leg injury so they can't stand up, which makes it even harder to throw them over the top rope. So, like, I could understand, like, if you put them, like, in a sleeper hold and then you could lean them over the ropes or something. But, like, the figure four lays you both on the mat. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's it seems poorly thought out, honestly. Um, Volkov comes in, and this is where it's kind of getting to be a little bit chaos. The ring's getting a little bit full. Nobody's going out in a long time. Um, Big Boss Man comes in at number 13, and the crowd loses its mind, as always. Uh, then we finally get some eliminations. Uh, Repo Man tosses out Greg. Boss Man eliminates the Repo Man. Uh, we're just about 26 minutes for Davy Boy when Flair um, finally tosses him out. And then Carrie Von Eric follows soon after that. So Sean and Tito take each other out. So it's just Flair, the Barbarian, and the Boss Man left. Um, right. And that Tito, that Tito and Sean sets up their WrestleMania 8 match. So this Royal Rumble is just like setting up everything that we're going to see at the at WrestleMania coming up. So it, yeah. it's also a fun a fun thing to watch these stories get built out of the Royal Rumble. And I mean Bruce Prichard has said before on his on his podcast that the Royal Rumble has been and always will be just the setup to WrestleMania. And it's very obvious <laughs> in this in this Royal Rumble that everything I mean, we got Piper winning the belt in revenge for Brett, but Brett wants his belt back. And we got, I mean, Flair and Macho Man go at it like crazy in this match at some point. We got um, Tito and Sean going over the top rope together and brawling. Uh, so you got you got WrestleMania 8 in a nutshell happening here, basically. Yeah, for sure. It's kind of, Yeah, like I said, it's sort of smart. It's like a... Uh, it's like a blender, right? You throw all these wrestlers in, and it spits out, um, spits out yeah. a delicious milkshake of WrestleMania matches. Yeah, I mean, it gives a great excuse to set up your like rivalries because oh, that guy kicked me out. Perfect. There you go. You fight yep. at the next show. I'm still mad about it three months later. Yeah. So um, Hercules comes in. He looks like an extra fat Jake Roberts at this point. Um, and there's there's a lot of violence because they're barbarians still in there. Yeah, at some point, Flair finds himself by himself in there because right. Flair sends, uh, Flair sends um, Bulldog out and gets huge boos. Tito and Sean send themselves out. Uh, Flair almost gets eliminated himself, but ends up sending the Barbarian and Hercules out. And right. then Flair sends the boss man out, and he's standing there alone. And he's like, 
catches his breath, and then it's Piper. Yeah. Well, he he's so exhausted, he does his face bump. He's yeah. just like, <laughs> he's just like so freaking tired. He just falls over on his face, which I I laughed out loud when he did that. I thought it was amazing. And again, this is this gets to the rhythm, right? Like you've gone, yeah. you know, small, uh, you know, kind of small scale, um, back and forth, and then you've gone like the big old chaos, and now you're you're literally halfway through because Piper is number fifteen. Uh, you're down to one guy, and Piper just goes straight at him. Uh, there's shades of the Royal Albert Hall uh, show we watched where they were also in the, the Battle Royal together, and like Piper came in and just went straight for Flair. Um, Piper does the eye poke thing because he's a he's a heel. Even the fan, again, the fans love him though. Um, this it gets really exciting real quick because then Jake comes in and the three <laughs> the three of them just go round and around. There's some short clotheslines. Uh, he, he signals for the DDT on Flair, but Piper breaks it up. Like I could have watched those three guys go for like another twenty minutes easily. Yeah, I, I that's a triple threat match that I would actually love to see is yeah. Jake Roberts versus Ric Flair versus Rowdy Piper, and just like you're talking about like the it's it's very like classical music ish almost to where like uh, it's like it starts out and like organicism and it just grows and grows and grows and grows until it can't sustain it anymore and then suddenly there's this a big climax and it shrinks down to almost nothing and it starts growing again and it's very similar to how a lot of uh like symphonies function and stuff like that uh, we're not going to get too deep into music theory here, but that's basically uh, just like organicism is a big concept with like romanticism and romantic music. And it's a very similar to what's actually happening in this, where it starts out with two and then three, but then it, it stays small because it can't sustain itself yet. And then eventually it blows up and then flair comes out as like the theme. And then, it gets countered with a counter theme with Roddy Piper. And then we get a whole new match. It's a whole new show suddenly. Yeah. Right. Uh, it's, exactly. It's, it's a new, it's theme B has been introduced now because Roddy Piper is chaos and more violent than the other people that were in there. And so is Jake, the snake and Jake comes out, but he just kind of sits in the corner for a minute and lets Flair and Piper fight before he gets involved in anything. And then you have more chaos with Jim Duggan coming down. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was, that was really smart. Jake just kind of hangs out for a second, like a snake, really. You know, yeah. he's, he's not going to disappoint himself. He's got to so. assess the situation before right. he gets involved, you know? Um, and I'm pretty so, certain that Jim Duggan just assumes every opponent is not from the U S <laughs> just assumes it. It's immediate. <laughs> Nationalism runs, runs deep. Yeah. Jim yeah. Duggan's up. Uh, the Mike Rotunda, you know, IRS Irwin R. Scheister is is up, and then Jimmy Snuka, and then here comes your boy, The Undertaker. So now we're getting again to uh, The Undertaker's at number twenty. So again, we get yep. hit a uh, emotionally satisfying uh, multiple of ten here, um, and he's one of the other big big movers uh, in yeah. the whole setup for this thing. I I always thought one it was risky for IRS to wrestle in a real necktie. Like that is fucking crazy. And like, I do love those moments that happen every once in a while where it comes into play. Like someone stomps on the tie to keep him from getting away, or they use the tie to throw him over the top rope or something like that. Like they, they lasso him around with the tie. I always thought that was uh, interesting. And that like, it's a weakness that he set himself up for just because he needs to wear it. 
He really should have gone with a clip on. And at this point, also, Piper starts laying these massive open palm slaps to Flair's chest that just sound like cannon fire in that arena. I, I don't know if they somehow snuck a mic on the Flair or Piper is just fucking laying into him. Just like you're 20 minutes in and someone is slapping you <laughs> the open palm in the chest like oh god just stop yeah um uh. <laughs> yeah uh let's see who's up randy savage comes flying into the ring like a goddamn maniac uh he tosses a few people out. he gets jake out uh fairly quickly yeah um, and he follows him out yeah because <laughs> uh, this yeah. is a this is like he's angry over the snake bite Yes. Uh, the famous snake bite that was unintentional. And then like everyone starts panicking because the snake isn't letting go of Macho Man. That's some of the most terrifying video. Yeah. Like, yeah. Honestly. And the kid in the crowd, like just bawling his eyes out. Like, yeah. Yeah. Looking terrifying. It's so great. I, it's so great. Yeah. We don't see kids get scared and cry at wrestling anymore, which you is. You really don't. Which it's is sad. It's sad. It breaks my heart. Yeah. Um, Undertaker threw uh, Jimmy Snuka over immediately with a calling back to his WrestleMania seven match with Snuka. He immediately goes for him. Undertaker lands a nasty low blow on Jim Duggan. And then, yeah, Macho Man came in and like, it's never a good, like the next person comes in three minutes after you or two minutes after you in this, I think this one. And why would you rush to the ring like that? Macho Man, <laughs> yeah. calm down, man. It's not a good strategy if you want to win the belt. Yeah. Take your time. Well, you know, uh, when uh, the Repo Man comes down, he spends like a good two minutes like sneaking around the ri the ring like he's trying to steal somebody's sandwich or something. Like, because, um, you know, because he's the Repo Man and he's sneaky. But, I mean, that's a better that's a better strategy, honestly. Yeah. I know in future Royal Rumbles, they're very loose on the clock timing between entrants. Um, I didn't take the time to actually see if they're doing that, but some of these entrances seemed really close together and some of them felt like they were really far apart. So I'm not sure if they were already playing loosey goosey with this every two minutes, a new wrestler enters the match or anything like that. So I wondered about that too. Cause there were a couple moments where I was like watching and watching and watching. I'm like, shouldn't the clock be up by now? And then, you know, and it would, and still had an, like another I don't know however long, but yeah, you're probably right. Um, the Berserker is next, and then Virgil, and then Colonel Mus Colonel Mustafa, aka the Iron Sheik. Uh, Iron Sheik is the next to go out, I believe. Uh, actually, Randy Savage eliminates him as well. Um, and then let's see who's next. Rick Martel, who early on we're told holds the previous record for um, total Royal Rumble time at like like fifty two minutes, yeah, like fifty two, fifty three minutes, somewhere around there. Um, Rick Martel, and then of course Hawk Hogan is at twenty six, and he gets a pretty tame pop with with him coming out. Um, it's not there. The crowd doesn't really like, I think the, the pop for Davy boy Smith was bigger than the Hulk Hogan one. So I'm going to continue my push that Davy boy Smith should have been the replacement for Hulk Hogan. Not like Lex Luger or anyone else. Davy boy Smith should have been number one heel or number one face. Yeah. I think, I think Hogan's um, losing some steam here. You know, his, 
his gimmick is uh, is kind of wearing out, and people were, I mean, and also you know the the whole feud with um, Sid Justice coming up, and you know them being friends and not friends and all that stuff is is it doesn't. Um, I don't want to say it doesn't reflect well on on Hogan, right? Like so, some no. of his pre- previous feuds, like so, Andre was turned by a you know a dastardly manager taking advantage of his um, some pent up resentment, right? And then right, and so you can uh, you know Hogan has been betrayed, right? And then um, and you know with the Warrior it was always just like, look, these are the two biggest uh, cats in the jungle, and so they have to fight each other. Uh, but the the whole thing with the Justice is like, yeah, maybe uh, maybe Hogan's kind of a douche, and maybe. Uh, Maybe Sid's maybe Sid should yeah. be our guy. Yeah, and then um, so at one point IRS gets stuck in the ropes, like hanging by his foot. Yeah, like he's hanging upside down, and like you can see Piper actually stop what he was doing and check, like on IRS and with the ref <laughs> standing there that's trying to help IRS get out from hanging upside down from the ring. Um. And so I thought that was interesting that there was a moment that got caught to where like they they break the action a little bit. They break the kayfabe a little bit to make sure that IRS isn't like going to die. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. So um, let's see. Yeah. So so Piper puts uh, IRS out. I'm trying to keep these things in order here. He was number. Hold on. I got it. He was 23. I think I skipped a couple of. Uh, Virgil, Virgil puts Jim Duggan out. Actually, Jim, Jim Duggan and Virgil take each other out, right? Yeah, I think and so. And then um, Skinner comes in very briefly, gets and taken out by Rick Martel. He killed the crowd. Jesus. Yeah. The crowd was really fired up and really feeling this match. And then Skinner comes down and silence. Oh, it's Skinner. Man. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> That's a weird, weird placement. Like, I yeah. think they should have, um, you know, like Sergeant Slaughter is a bigger deal. Sid Justice, Hawk Hogan, right? And then the Warlord is just kind of seems like, I yeah, know, same rep. deal with him coming out. Yeah. Um, um, and Hogan sends Undertaker out. So that's the end of their feud. Hogan wins. Um, but then I'm glad Hogan, we settled that. Yeah. Hogan then starts really healing it up by choking Rick Martell with his shirt. Hogan, you're a good guy. I know it's a battle royal and there's like no real rules or anything like that, but you're the good guy. You're not, it's not supposed to occur to you that you choke somebody with your shirt. Like, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> oh, that's right. You're really a heel. You've been a heel the whole time. Yeah. I, shades of uh, WrestleMania, WrestleMania 2, where he chokes King Kong Bunny with his own singlet, right? Right. You're, you're, you're America. You think you can do anything you want. That's right jerk face um let's see so skinner i mentioned gets put out by rick martell sid justice puts sergeant slaughter out um yeah piper puts uh, irs out and then hogan and justice put the warlord out so at this point we have sid hogan and flair remaining right uh pretty much i mean i mean at some point rick martell got sent out we still have Piper there, and so now oh, you're right. really you're really buying that storyline that Piper could possibly win both titles tonight. This is it for him. This is a big moment. Um, you have this moment where like Rick Flair or uh, Rick Martel oversells 
uh, Piper boxing his ears with his feet. It's a weird spot. So like Piper is hanging out of the ring and like Rick Martell is standing between his legs, trying to push him over and Piper's holding the bottom rope to not go. And Piper clicks his heels together around Rick Martell's head, but it doesn't look very convincing, but like Rick Martell is acting like he just got shot in the face. Uh, (laughs) Which he uh, deserves for turning on Tito Santana. That son of a bitch. Uh, and at this point, uh, Gorilla Monsoon says about Ric Flair that the lactic acid has to be building up in his body at this point. Has to be. It has, has to, to be. be. Maybe um, maybe Ric Flair's alcohol intake just rendered him immune to lactic acid. Maybe it yeah. just like it just uh, washed it all away, uh, and he never, it was a never a, th- a thing. If possible. Anyway. And- then in the nastiest looking spot of this whole Royal Rumble, like the one where you're like, I think he could be like legit hurt. Uh, Sid sends Sergeant Slaughter face first into the corner and he hits the top turnbuckle, bounces up and goes over top of the ring post and out in a front belly bump <laughs> onto the floor from the, over the top rope. It's like, Good God, Slaughter. You are overachieving. Yeah. <laughs> that's, Man, not his, that... that's not his bump. That's uh, no. That's Ricky Steamboat's bump. Or, I mean, that's uh, not anybody's bump. Well, yeah. <laughs> like, good God, man. That looked, that looked really rough and really scary. Like, Sid came down, and that's when, like, Slit, Sid was just like, all right, it's time to start ending this rumble here and start sending the non-competitors out, including Piper and slaughter and savage is still kicking around here actually so yeah savage takes himself out by diving over the rope to jake roberts um relatively early on and then it's um, ruled that you can't eliminate yourself from the royal yeah, rumble and not, so he goes that's back not a in. thing that's not it, a thing it shows up in a couple of the earlier rumbles that you can't eliminate yourself you have to be sent over the top rope by your competitor in some fashion so like whether your competitor misses makes you miss and you go flying over the top rope, you're out. But if you just decide to jump over the top rope to chase somebody, you're not eliminated. I don't know about that. I I feel like that's suspect. I'm pretty certain that's not how it works anymore, but it's how it worked then. (laughs) So we're down to the main event here, really, right? We got our... Our three guys. Um, got our, yeah, we got our final four. Uh, uh, final four, yeah. Macho makes his way out, gets himself out of the way. Um, and so we have Hogan and Sid staring down number three, Ric Flair. Oh, yeah. And it's it. they're going after Flair, but then Sid, quote, unquote, Pearl Harbors Hulk Hogan. <laughs> And while they're trying to send Flair out, Sid picks Hogan up thinking that it's going to send both of them out, but it doesn't send Flair out. It only sends Hogan. And Hogan is standing on the outside now, crying and screaming, my best friend just eliminated me from the Royal Rumble. I can't win. I'm not going to be champion now. What's going to happen? And they're bickering. And so Hogan continues his tantrum to the point where he grabs Sid's arm and starts trying to pull Sid over the top rope. And and Hogan's not letting go. And Flair's is like, oh, okay. 
Here's a <laughs> free one. It. Sends Sid over the top rope with Hogan's assistance. And Ric Flair wins the Royal Rumble, wins the WWF World Heavyweight Champion. And Bobby Heenan has a baby. <laughs> Bobby Heenan called it early on. So Ric Flair's total time from number three to number 30 is one hour and two seconds. He eliminated five people along the way. He eliminated um, British Bulldog. He eliminated Texas Tornado, Big Boss Man. Um, Randy Savage uh, had some help on that one. And of course, then he eliminates Sid Justice for the for the big win. So, I mean, again, his performance is, is amazing, but unfortunately it gets kind of buried by Hogan's uh, just nonsense. And so I'm just reading on the, um, the Wikipedia entry for this one. And it says in the crowd, in the, in the arena that day, um, the audience really cheered for justice uh, eliminating Hogan. Um, yeah. No. Even though you know he's selling, uh, Gorilla selling it as a Pearl Harbor job. He says he sneaked up from behind, uh, and it says they actually edited that out of future television replays as well as the Coliseum home video release of the event, with play-by-play announcer Gorilla Monsoon adding new comments condemning Sid for his actions. It said Monsoon had originally said that Justice's elimination of Hogan was fair. So um, that's kind of interesting. So that Pearl Harbor. Yeah, that Pearl Harbor job line was probably the edit after the fact. Um, they're doing like a Kiss Alive overdub situation here. Yeah, so so Ric Flair wins in you know, in truly astonishing uh, fashion, and he's just like off at the top of the ramp with the with the belt. Yeah, and the Hogan win. actually chases him out of the ring. He doesn't have yeah. the belt yet, and then we got to watch Hogan and Sid stare down and yell at each other, and we're like, you just the. That son of a bitch now has the NWA world title and the WWF world heavyweight title. And we got to look at Hogan and Sid have their crap. Like, yeah, come on, come on, man. <laughs> the dude yeah. just spent over an hour in the Royal rumble and we get nothing. Let's talk about, let's talk about stealing a spotlight, right? Like we're burying the lead. I don't know what you want to call that, that situation, but it's, it's, it's unfortunate, honestly. It kind of, I mean, I, I get it. It's like they, they had to hang on to uh, Hogan as long as they could and, and make him the main thing. So um, it's it's interesting. It gives them a way to put the belt on Flair and have Hogan lose, but still have him like, you know, in the, in the, be the center of attention, which I'm sure he insisted on. Yeah, it's it's a very like kind of Game of Thrones thing. I don't know. Have you watched Game of Thrones? I have not. You should take the time to watch Game of Thrones since I think you have HBO Max now. You should take the time to sit down and at least watch the first four seasons. But basically, so Game of Thrones, you know, there's all these people always pushing to try and try and make claim for the throne and stuff like that. But then all the everything that's else is happening that's happening in this world just ends up actually showing the reader slash viewer that the throne doesn't matter. Whoever's King, it doesn't matter. There's too much shit going on elsewhere. And it's kind of like that here to where the title doesn't matter. You you just gave the title away in th- from a battle Royal and you gave it to a guy that's fairly new to the company, but we got to watch the real big thing that comes out of this supposedly 
is like the fan is supposed to be really upset about this Hulk Hogan Sid Justice betrayal uh, instead of we've got this new king, this new champion. Uh, yeah. So it's it's kind of a kind of like a, a distraction kind of thing, and it, it's an interesting move by WWF. It's it's like the first. It feels like it's probably like the first time to where they made the championship belt secondary. So like normally they would have the big feud build around the fact that one of the people in that is the world champion. So like you have like the Sergeant Slaughter Hulk Hogan feud from WrestleMania seven is, you know, Slaughter's the champion and he's an Iraqi general now. And it's like, that's, that we got to deal with that. That's the main storyline. And then you have the main storyline from WrestleMania six, where it's the inter, uh, ultimate warriors and the continental champion. And Hogan is the world champion and their storyline. You have the macho man Hogan uh, feud and Hogan is the champion in that, you know? So you have this, like the championship is always revolving around the main storyline. And now suddenly it's not going to at WrestleMania. Yeah, no, it's an interesting switch. And we've seen um, then some of the WrestleManias following this then where um, where the main event is not the not the title match, right? Or or the main event should have been the title match. <laughs> I don't know. Right. Um, there's yeah, it, it introduces some um, it's a it's a new way of of thinking about it, the booking everything. So yeah. um, we have a flare promo after this. Oh that yeah, of course. Gold. It's platinum. <laughs> actually, it's platinum. It's a platinum flare promo. So Jack Tunney presents flare with the belt backstage and right away it's chaos. Uh, Heenan is screaming. I told you, I knew it. I knew it. Mr. Perfect is happy there. And then flare starts taking really heavy shots at WCW slash NWA. Jim Crockett promotions. He calls this the greatest moment in his life. And he says that this is the only wrestling title in the world that makes you number one. And then he says, y'all better pay homage to the man. Woo. (laughs) And then mean Gene tells someone to put out a cigarette. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's, it's insane. It's, it's almost as good as that ultimate warrior promo from that one WrestleMania where. <laughs> yeah. 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 I feel like the, um, I feel like the, the telling the fan to put the cigarette out is, uh, like, <laughs> that, that sells it. Right. That's like the little punctuation yeah. mark. Yeah. It's like the period at the end of this sentence of like, you know, this is the greatest moment of my life. Mean Gene. This is the only title in the wrestling world that makes you number one. Like, Boy, those are heavy shots. Yeah. You mean the first time you became NWA champion, beating Harley Race isn't the greatest moment of your life? You know, he's 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 had a full career before this. And, oh, yeah. This is his greatest moment in his life. And that this is the championship that makes you number one, even though he, he was still NWA champion <laughs> when he came here and still has the belt. Well, you know. His his opinion has changed, I guess. And I just love that line of "Y'all better pay homage to the man." <laughs> you better get that on a T-shirt. That would be a great T-shirt, actually. Be excellent. <laughs> so um, we don't do 
you know, ratings usually for non-WrestleManias, and we usually do uh, best and worst matches and oh shit moments. I mean, I think the best match obviously is is a no-brainer. Um, the worst match uh, for me, I would say probably that Beverly Brothers Bushwhackers abomination that just last forever um would that be your pick as well or did you hate Um, another one yeah i mean i think i have to go with that one as well just because it was just too long so the mountie versus piper was not a good match but at least it was only like five and a half minutes but the uh (laughs) the bushwhacker match with the beverly brothers went 15 minutes 15 minutes of like nothing there's takes forever it takes forever there's no actual action in this match. Like, I don't even think they hit each other until like minute 10. <laughs> what they should have done is like you know, the Bushwhackers like revert back to their, uh, you know, their old, old ways and just like both cut the shit out of themselves and just bled all over uh, this, this PG event. <laughs> yeah. just like, it's like they pull out like, like sheep shears and just yeah. like cut each other's foreheads and be like, I mate, we're ready for fighting now. Yeah. And like, now that's a gimmick. And blade the Beverly's without their permission. Just yeah. cut the shit out. Cut the shit out of the manager, Jameson. Just cut everybody. Let uh, it end now, in disqualification. Who gives a shit? I want blood. I want some violence. Yeah. Now like, that I would watch. There's nothing happening here. Did Make you um, brothers ugly? <laughs> did you have a, a oh shit moment for this one? Yeah, I mean my oh shit moment is is the finish of this Royal Rumble. It's it's a total mind fuck if you're like a WWF fan. At this period of time, you're like 12 years old, like I am. Well, actually, I'm only 11 at this one. And you're watching this at your friend's in your friend's basement because his uncle paid for the pay-per-view. And you're sitting there and you're watching and you see Hulk Hogan get eliminated by his friend, Sid. And then he throws that tantrum and then Flair's is like, eh, I'll take the championship. Tosses <laughs> him on out with him. You two go ahead and do your thing. I want to be the winner. You know, it's, uh, it's an oh shit moment like then. And it's an oh shit moment now, just because you don't, you don't see drama like that. And it's, it was a very big moment in WWF where they're drawing the attention away from the championship and focusing on, on character relationships and the story more. And that's a, that's a big shift in WWF presentation. Yeah, it's a big one. And I mean, Realistically speaking, it's the oh shit moment for this uh, show. I'll pick a, just a different one just for variety. And mine is at that midway point of the Royal Rumble where the ring clears out for everybody except for Ric Flair. And he's just so exhausted. He just falls over on his face. And like it's just like you said, it's just restarting the match for, for a whole new thing. And you realize just like how much of a show Ric Flair has been putting on for the previous, you know, however many minutes it was um, like, man, this guy is really, he's really something special to watch. And he's just really going for it in this. Um, so that, that was mine just, and it, like I said, it's just more, I, again, I know realistically the, the ending is the one you should pick, but um, you know, might as well be a little bit of a contrarian there. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's a great moment and it's a fantastic moment and let's, and it really establishes him with the WWF audience, really, to like, oh, this guy's a serious player. He's he's for real. He's legit, right? Because, I mean, at this point in time, WW, you either watched WWF or you watched the 
Jim Crocker promotion stuff. I mean, you could probably watch both, but uh, the feud was starting between the two companies. It had already been going for between the two companies for a while. Uh, and I do think it's interesting and kind of questionable as to if they're going to have him do the long haul, why not start him at number one? Like, why, why number three? It, are these drawings actually kind of random? Like, could he have come in at number seven or eight? Could he have actually drawn that and still be and, and been the winner and just not have that impressive of a run through the Royal Rumble? Yeah, that's a good question. And the only the only thing I could think of, I thought about this too, the only thing I could think of is it's sort of like it's drawing it out just a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, he's still in that first five, um, so that's yeah. really early. But you're like, oh, he's he wasn't number one. Okay, so maybe they're not going to do this. And he's like, oh, he wasn't number two. And then there he comes for number three. And then then you get that amazing uh, Bobby Heenan just losing his mind. Um, I don't know. That was that is a good question. I had a same, yeah, maybe a similar maybe thought. maybe it was just too much on the nose. You know, uh, he's fairly right. and maybe maybe also because he's fairly new to the company, having come from their biggest competitor, that maybe that was something that they were really wanting to save in their back pocket until they had a, a loyal, true superstar to do. And so I think that that ends up being Shawn Michaels that gets the, the first win from the number one spot <coughs> that they wanted to save that for a true company man and not like someone that had just come to the company five months prior uh, that they knew that they were going to make Ric Flair champion because like, you got to make Ric Flair champion or at least have him in the mix, but you, you can't reward him with also being the first one to win from the number one spot. Yeah. That's a big, that's a, you can't take that back. Right. Once you do that, right. you can't, well, cause then if the next one, like, Oh yeah, well, Ric Flair did that, you know, last year. So like, who cares? Um, you can let him be like the first one to win the title from a Royal Rumble and you sure. can let him have the record of being in the Rumble the longest because you can always do it again and like have someone go longer than him. Um, right. But you can't, but you can't take away that like he's the first person to win it from the number one spot. Like you can't, you can't do that. Um, as we do every episode, we'd like to just take a moment to pay tribute to the men and women that we've seen who are no longer with us. So our in-memoriam section for 1992's Royal Rumble includes Gorilla Monsoon, Bobby the Brain Heenan, Lord Alfred Hayes, Mean Gene Okerlund, Howard Finkel, Mr. Fuji, Owen Hart, Jim the Anvil Neidhart, Earthquake John Tenta, Road Warrior slash Legion of Doom Animal and Hawk British Bulldog Davy Boy Smith The Texas Tornado Carrie Von Eric Nikolai Volkov Big Boss Man Hercules Rowdy Rowdy Piper Jimmy Superfly Snooka Randy the Macho Man Savage Mr. Perfect Kurt Hennig WWF uh, President quote unquote Jack Tunney Sensational Sherry Martell and Paul Bearer
All right, so that's our episode for today. We hope you've enjoyed uh, listening along as we re-end down the Royal Rumble from 1992. As always, you can send us your thoughts, your questions, your comments, your review requests, your random free-floating trivia uh, corrections for stuff we've got wrong. Uh, we, we'll, we'll take any and all uh, mail and correspondence, honestly. So you can find us on the web at allthewrestlemanias.com. You can shoot us an email at allthewrestlemanias at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at WrestlemaniaPod. And of course, you can find our Facebook and our Instagram accounts. Uh, just search for All the WrestleManias. We'll pop right up. So thanks again, everybody. And for today, I'm your co-host, Tim. And I'm Rich. And thanks for joining us. We'll see you soon. Goodbye. Goodbye.